So, but uh, let's go ahead and pray and we'll get into our message tonight. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for each and every person here. Thank you, God, that you decided to send your son to die for us, Lord. But before then he was born, his whole birth was a miracle in itself, Lord. And thank you that we can take tonight as the world is focused on so many different things, Lord, tonight we can focus on the one most important thing, and that's Jesus. And we get to look into your word tonight, God, and we get to learn about your son's birth and, and what that means to us, Lord. And so I pray, Father, that you would just capture our hearts and minds, that anything knowingly or unknowingly that may be distracting us, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that those things would melt like wax in your presence, Lord. Thank you that your word is to be worshiped above all things, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, that it's powerful, Lord. I pray that you would just be with us in this season, Lord, that you would give us an opportunity, even now, Lord, just to be changed by your word, be changed by your spirit, God. Thank you again for each and every person here, Lord. I pray for the kids that you would minister to them now, Lord. I thank you that the truth of your gospel and your word is so simple that even a child can understand it, Lord. Just thank you, Lord. Help us as adults to not cloud, Lord, your word, to not confuse it, to not make it more than what it is, Lord, but your love story for us, God. Praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, so really, just to let you guys know, we have um, coffee and hot chocolate and desserts and stuff afterwards. So it's going to be a great time to just grab some of those snacks. And uh, it's just going to be a, a, a great time of fellowship afterwards. Again, thank you for coming to Metanoia Community Church. All of us is our first Christmas Eve service. And uh, what an exciting time. So the text today that we're going to be in is going to be Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 20. I'm going to use a couple of other scriptures to kind of um, plug in there in regards to Christ and his birth and the prophecy of it. And what I want us to focus on, and this was something that kind of came across um, while I was studying. Um, there was a gentleman who's a, a great pastor. He's got an awesome ministry, and he wrote something, and this stuck with me in regards to like, and, 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 and I'm going to paraphrase this, but the gist of it was that God wants to commune with us. He wants to commune with us. Can you guys see me okay? Is it too dark? We kept it kind of like this because we're going to have candlelight service. So if it's too dark, we can turn a light on and be blinded instantly, most likely. But anyway, so um, he, he wrote this thing and he posted it and I was reading it and it really ministered to me the fact that we sometimes choose to not commune with God, but he wants to commune with us. He wants to connect with us. His purpose for the Bible, for the church, for Jesus coming was to connect with you to connect with us. And, and so I want us to focus tonight on this one statement, God with us, God with us. God is with us. He is with us. Whether we believe it or not, God is with us. He understands us. He sees us. He, he, he thinks about us. God's word says that his thoughts towards us are greater than all of the sand upon the seashore, that he knows each and every one of the hairs upon our heads, whether they're falling out like mine, I'm not gonna say yours are or not, but he knows you intimately and understands you and he loves you in spite of you. How many of you guys can say, God loves me in spite of me? I, I didn't hear it. In spite of me. He does. He loves you in spite of you. And the whole story surrounding the birth of Jesus was God doing something 
contrary to everything going on in society, contrary to the belief even of the Israelites and the Jews, contrary to all of these things, contrary to the silence that was for 400 years prior to Gabriel speaking to Zacharias. And I love that, that God works outside of the confines of things that we see or understand. He is God, he is almighty, and he is powerful, and he is the creator of all things. And that's who was born on the first Christmas day in human form. See, Jesus always was. If you go to John 1, 1, it speaks about him. Always being, Jesus was a creator of all things also. But I'm gonna pick up here really quick. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six says this. And, and, and keep in mind that Isaiah was a prophet speaking about the incarnation of the Messiah 700 years prior and I want you to think about the Israelites having this scripture in their mind for all of these years. It would be spoken to their children for generation to generation to generation to generation. They knew that there was a savior coming one day. And this is who he is. Isaiah, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God speaking through him wrote this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Can I get an amen? That is who Jesus is. He is our Wonderful Counselor. He is Mighty God. He is Everlasting Father to us. He is the Prince of Peace. Peace resides with him. Peace comes from him. If you do not have peace in your soul, I could almost say that maybe Jesus isn't in your soul because God gives peace to those who are with him. This is why Jesus came for us to give us peace. Luke chapter two, verse one through 20, we'll pick up the narrative of Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And verse one, it says this, and it came to pass in those days that the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place with Cornelius was, who was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David. So Joseph was royalty. He was part of David's bloodline. So God used the government at that time. He used the government to fulfill the prophecy of Christ being born in Bethlehem. They knew that's where Jesus was to be born, was in Bethlehem. And so God used secular government to maneuver his plan. And so I want you to think about today's society now. The world is chaotic. There's things going on and there's so many thoughts of, oh, what's this really going to mean? Well, take hope that God is in control and that he is using the trajectory of the world to satisfy what his word says pertaining to the church, believers, and what's going to happen one day. And But in the middle of that, remember that Jesus is on the throne. So God can use government to fulfill prophecy of Christ. Of, and he, he used prophecy uh, to fulfill Christ's being born in Bethlehem. And he can do the same today to fulfill what goes on in Revelation. But that's a different study. So he's using our circumstances today to fulfill his will and plans. You know, it's said that either we can fall at the feet of the cross or be broken at the feet of the cross. God has a plan for all to come to know him, none to perish, but it's us who decide to walk away from him. He is using our circumstances of life to fulfill his will and plan for us. And he did that with Mary and Joseph. Very interesting season for them. 
Verse six, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I want you to understand too that Mary and Joseph, um, they were betrothed, which means that they had not um, done marital things yet. So they, there was this, this negativity surrounding her pregnancy. And we went over that last week, actually, in church service. This is the end of our series about the hope in Christmas, the hope of Christmas. But verse six and seven, we see this, that, that, that Jesus was born and then in a, in a manger, and, 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 and we see you know, manger scenes where you got the cool little wood thing and, and you got the nice hay and you got you know, the, the animals are just there all calm and everything. And how many of you guys have ever been to a farm? Raise your hand. Out here, it's pretty common. Farms smell amazing, don't they? Some people love how farms smell. I don't. Nehemiah and I went, uh, I went with him on, a, on a, a school thing and we went to a dairy farm and oh my gosh, cows are messy. They just do their business wherever they're animals. They don't go in a stall and close the door or nothing like that. And so they eat and they live all in a pen. And so when we see these manger scenes, it's kind of sterilized compared to what was going on with Mary and Joseph. Mary was about to give birth. There was no place for them. And, and this, this cave, which is normally what would be a place as a manger or, or a place where animals would stay, would most likely be a cave, you know? And so it is safe to say that Jesus, most likely his first room was a cave with a bunch of smelly animals with animal poop on the ground and animal slobber, and it was not a place where I would have my kid born. And so you see this theme about the birth of God in human form surrounded by a messy situation. How many of you guys ever feel like your life is a messy situation? I do sometimes. And so a lot of times we can separate ourselves from Jesus. We can separate ourselves from God saying, oh, God's, you know, he's this great being and he's so perfect, which he is. And he's, he's mightier than me, which he is. And he's, and he's higher than, than, than the highest thing. And yes, he is. But when we look at the account of Jesus, of God himself coming in human form, it makes God touchable. And that's the purpose of this message tonight, that God is with us. And it's important, kids, that you know that, that God is with us. Malachi, God is with us. It's my son, Malachi. I guess I can call out my son's name from the pulpit, right? Verse eight, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And these shepherds were common people. They were of no reputation. They're just going about their business taking care of their animals in this field. It was nighttime. They're out in the countryside. It's been said that, you know, shepherds weren't really the most socially accepted people. They were kind of the outcasts. They smelled like the animals they took care of. They probably didn't have baths after a while. They were ceremonially unclean for months, so they couldn't go into the temple. So there was this social separation. And yet here we see this group. And behold, verse nine, an angel of the Lord stood before them 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Can you guys say all people? All people. Can you say I'm all those people? We are all those people. I love that. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus. He, we can't take it and say, oh, this was only for them. We can take this and we can take ownership of God's word and we can apply it to our life. And I love there's these little nuggets where God says, all people, it's everybody. John 3, 16, how many of you guys know that scripture? For God so loved the what? The world that he gave us what? His only son, he didn't have a bunch of them. He gave his only son. I have a few sons, but I, I, I don't know that I would give any of them away. But God decided to allow his son to come to the earth, right? John 3 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, what? Believes in him shall not perish, but have what? That's why God decided to send his son. Say, God is with us. Yes, he is. Amen. So we see these common people, these, 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 these stinky men that the angels showed up to, and they were freaking out. But the angel, I love that, you know, when there's good tidings and great joy, the angel said, which will be to all people, verse 11, for there is born to you, right? Not born to that family over there, not born to just this person. God does not segregate the glory and majesty and magnificence of his son for one person. It's for all. God sees no human being by color, race, or creed, or financial status. We are all loved by God. He does not separate anybody out, ever. He never will. That's not who he is. Now, we might get really serious in the end times or in our life about our sin because God hates sin. And if God chastises us for living a sinful life, then guess what? He is amazing and just and glorious because he is just. And a just God can do only perfect things. And it's only because what? Because he loves us. God's word says that he is love. God is love. He loves you. He loves me. That's the story of Christmas is God's ultimate love for us. And even in this time of this, this craziness on the earth, God chose this intense time for his son to be born. There was a government that was overbearing and controlling at the time even. Good tidings of great joy. What does that mean? The angels were saying, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Good tidings of great joy. This meant salvation, the forgiveness of sins, the long awaited Messiah, savior of the world. Could you imagine the intensity of this angel? All of heaven was waiting for this day to happen. When God steps into our lives and transform our lives, it's a miraculous day to be celebrated. The Lord loves you and wants to change your life and add all good things to your life. He will transform you in a way that only God can. And that's why Jesus was born. Verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. I love that. God is this. Okay. This is really important too. Every time that you see in, when angels come and speak to these people, you don't see a different story. Okay. Um, what was prophesied about Jesus 
And what happened with Mary and Joseph and what happened with the birth of, their, of Jesus, the angels spoke to the shepherds on a whole nother place, the exact same thing that occurred. It's important to know that God will not contradict himself. Thirteen says this. Oh, sorry. Uh, Twelve. The angels that they told him what to look for. So God always guides us. God doesn't. I, I say this a lot. God doesn't take us into a field and drop us off somewhere and turn all the lights off and walk away and leave us in a dark, deserted place. That's not God's character. That's not what He does. So the angels told them what to look for. God was guiding them. He, he wanted these men to know, these lowly people, these people. I wouldn't have chosen. How many of you would go to like somebody who was totally ostracized by society to tell your neighbors that your child was born? I mean, it's just not, it, you, look at, you look at Christ's birth and it doesn't make any sense to us in our own mind. But the reason is, is so that Jesus can be accessible to us. Verse 13, 14 says this, and suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. And this goodwill towards us, God's goodwill towards us was the sending of his son. God only has goodwill for you, okay? God's will for us is not to be, he doesn't wanna just shove his thumb on you and keep you in a spot of not being taken care of. He's not in heaven going, oh, what can I do to them next? They're disobedient, I'm just gonna ruin their lives. That's not God's character. And so when Jesus' birth happened, the angels were proclaiming in glory to, to the Lord, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, man, and goodwill towards men. So this hope of true peace that only God can give was given to these men to go share. And so they, the angel spoke to them about that. And verse 15 says this, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that was, has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So remember, a manger most likely wasn't the wood thing we see. It was most likely a cave or a, a section cut out in rock for animals to live in. And so that's where they went to. They went to this rock, this, this cave, this place where this baby's born. What, an un, what a weird place for a child to be. But the angels told them where to go. And there's Jesus, who is God himself in human form, 100% God and 100% human. And I'll get to that in a minute. And there's a good reason why we need to understand that that's who Jesus is. Verse 17 says this. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So God chose these lowly men to be his spokespeople. They were the spokespersons of Christ's birth, the first people to go tell somebody about it. You know the old song, go tell it on the mountain? Well, it was probably written about these men. It wasn't, but I'm just saying that that's what I think of right now is that these men went and told everybody about what had happened. And I love this, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary's such a sweet mom. She just was 
meditating on the Lord, meditating on this miracle, meditating on what God was doing. She knew that the baby she was holding, like Ashlyn back there was holding her daughter, she knew that this baby she was holding was God. She knew it. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine knowing that the child you just gave birth to was God incarnate? And so Mary's just pondering this and, and meditating on this. And, and that's how we should be. We should ponder the goodness of God. We should have the word and we should meditate on it. And we should think about the things that God is and who he is and what his word says about him towards us. Because God's love is for us. It's not for the angels. It's not for preachers. It's not for missionaries. It's for common people, which preachers and missionaries are common people. But what I'm saying is like a lot of times we can say, oh, well, that person is on this pedestal. Well, that's garbage because Jesus came for all of us to know who he is. And here's Mary pondering all these things. She's just like marveled at what is going on. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. And it's very important for us to glorify God and to share the good news that Jesus has saved me. Jesus, if Jesus has saved you from sin and saved you from hell, it is the most amazing, radical thing that could ever possibly happen to a human being. And God has given you the gift that has been given to us in this story of Jesus. He has implanted the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you know Jesus, God lives in you, and it's the most glorious gift that you could ever share with anybody in your life. And I don't know why, but God has chosen to use human beings to share that story with those around us. It's just his plan, and it's humbling. And we can think to ourselves, I'm nobody. I don't know how to do these things. Okay, I'm saved, but what does that mean next? Because God wants to use your testimony in your life to touch the lives of others. Matthew chapter one, verse 23 says this, the angel of the Lord, he proclaimed to Joseph this amazing truth of fulfillment of God's word spoken through the prophet Isaiah. And we read this in Matthew 1, 23. Behold, and this is an amazing thing too. Joseph was about to divorce Mary. They were betrothed. The only way that he could separate from his wife back then, you would have your parents would see two kids and they were the parents were friends like, hey, we want our kids to get married. And when they grew up, they'd be in this betrothal stage. And the betrothal stage was one year prior to them being married. And so the, in the betrothal stage in that, in that uh, era and that culture would mean that they were actually married in all essence, except not being with each other physically or living with each other. And for the husband to be able to get rid of his wife, he would actually have to have a legal divorce. And so this is what was spoken to him that was already prophesied. And this was spoken to Joseph in Matthew, we read this, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And that's why it's important for us to recognize that God is with us. And God intervenes, and he intervened even in Joseph wanting to divorce Mary because she was pregnant before they were actually being with each other, and she could have gotten stoned because that was a penalty. And this whole birth about Jesus was surrounded with controversy and, and hate and, and ridicule and all the things that we feel in life. And it was that way so that we could look at Jesus and go, I need you, I relate to you, you relate to me, will you be my savior? That's the purpose of all of it. It's not for us to go, oh, yay, look at the little manger, look at the little baby. It's because God is with us and the whole purpose for Jesus to be born was so that we would be able to relate to him. So tonight, 
focus that God is with us. Even afterwards, go in your cars, talk with your family, say, you know what? God is with us. And if you don't believe God is with you, then tonight's the night to cry out to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life because you aren't guaranteed tomorrow. God with us, this is our hope and our strength. The fact that it was not just a baby being born, but it was God being born in human form. It was not just a young couple experiencing the trauma of no place to have their baby, but in a cave with animals in, in, in the midst of ridicule of a pregnancy shrouded in disgrace. My question to you is, can you relate to having struggles in your life that are so intense that you, they cause questions? Nor the fact that this, this place that the family uh, is from had no importance in society. In fact, it was said that what good could come out of Nazareth, when Jesus was on the scene, one of his disciples said that when Jesus came up. What good could come out of Nazareth? What good could come out of Olivehurst? People talk bad about this town. I say, well, you know, where Jesus came out of had a horrible reputation too. Can you relate? Maybe you feel the same, thinking what good could come out of my life or my hometown? See, these shepherds, the first people told about this miracle were shepherds. They were basically, like I mentioned, outcasts in Israel. Yet that's who God chose to use. Maybe you feel unaccepted tonight. God chose to use unaccepted people. And he wants to choose you tonight. There were smells of animals in this place and the baby was laid to sleep, was most likely marked with animal slobber. Yet this mother was so lovingly, she wrapped her baby up as a newborn baby in swaddling cloths. God is with us. You see the birth of Jesus, like I had mentioned, it's not a fairy tale, it's not a folklore, it's not a Christmas story written by Hallmark or, or anything. Christmas is Christ with us. You see, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be born of a virgin in a land full of hurt and pain and suffering and distrust and hopelessness under the control of an oppressing Roman government in the midst of all of this uncertainty. God became human. God, the eternal, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the light of the world, the strength and true hope of this life became human. John chapter one, verse 14, when we first launched Metanoia Community Church, we had started going through John and I'm just gonna read this one verse. It says, and the word, which is Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I want you to think about that word dwelt. It's not passing through, it's not past tense, it's active. Jesus dwells amongst us. And John continues right and says, Be, I, and we beheld his glory. In other words, we saw his glory. He was touchable. He was tangible. We understood. We saw it. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Can you guys say full of grace and truth? Louder. That is who Jesus is. He's full of grace and he's full of truth. full of grace. Yes. See, Jesus was 100% God and 100% human. In closing, I want you to think about this. I know I've given you a lot to ponder tonight, but the miraculous birth of Jesus is something to ponder like Mary did. 
See, Jesus was 100% God and 100% human. You're like, well, how is that possible? Well, he's God, so there's certain things God can do that when we question it, our mind just explodes and you see smoke. Like one of my sons, well, who created God? He always was. Well, what does that mean exactly? So if he was 100% God and not human as well, he would never have been able to die for your sins or for my sins. And if, it was 100%, and if Jesus was 100% man or 100% human and not 100% God at the exact same time, he would be in need of saving from his sin like you and I need saving from our sin. In similarity, it would be like a man drowning trying to save himself. See, we can't save ourselves. And Jesus was born for a purpose, to die for our sins. Let me go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. And if there's anybody here tonight that has not ever made a decision to invite Jesus into their heart and make him or her their Lord, make him your Lord and Savior, raise your hand. Tonight's a night for salvation. Anybody online, if you're watching this now or even later, if you see this video and, and, and at the end, you know, the Holy Spirit knocks on your heart and, he, he, and, and you, you're like, There's, I'm uneasy. This guy's saying these things and, and, and I'm struggling. What he's saying makes so much sense, but there's an uneasiness inside of me that's the Lord speaking to you. See, our flesh doesn't like what God has to say. Sometimes we want to do our own thing. But the Holy Spirit is so respectful, knocking on the door of our heart. He asks, will you let me in and sit with you? be the best decision you ever make. So if that's you and you're online and just send us a message and one of us will reach out and pray with you. With your heads bowed, if there's anybody here tonight that has prayer for anything that's unmentioned or you just want prayer, raise your hand and um, we'll pray for you tonight. Okay, okay. Anybody else? Any prayer requests on live stream? I love this about God. I don't need to know all the details. And if there's anything that you do need to connect with anybody, my wife's available. Ashlyn Henley, she's available to talk to. Stacy, who is up here, is available to talk to. If you're a guy, I'm available to talk to. We believe women should talk with women. Men should talk with men. That way we don't get all confused and fall into various trials and sin. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for those who raise their hand. Is there anybody else who has any prayer requests? Yes. Yes. Anybody else? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and pray for those who raise their hands. And again, if you need to connect with somebody tonight, uh, church is a safe place, believe it or not. Then I'll close. Father God, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace and your love. Thank you for the account of Jesus. Thank you for your birth. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for all that you do in our lives. Father, I just pray for these folks that have raised their hand, Lord. You know their need. You know their hearts cry. You know that what needs to be mended, what needs to be 
healed, what needs to be satisfied, Lord, in regards to uh, the taking care of relationships and the taking care of, of finances or whatever it might be, Father God. I just pray, Jesus, that you would take care of those things in such a way that they would recognize the power of your spirit moving in their lives, Lord. Thank you for your love. Just pray that you would take care of these people, Lord. Thank you for my son raising his hand and wanting to pray for the poor. We lift up those who are on the streets, Lord, and, and homeless, God. We just pray that you administer them, you keep them warm, God, and you keep them safe, and they'd come to know you too, like my son always prays, Lord. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this night. Thank you, God. Praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.